That's what I want to talk about this morning. Uh, you can turn if you want to. I'm going to have Jennifer just put this one verse up on the screen here. It's Psalm 118.24, just to kind of get started today. We sang this chorus earlier, and it uh, just simply says this. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Like the King James says, we will rejoice and be glad in it. And I like the determination with the put that way. Because ultimately, is it our decision? It is our decision. I like that. I've made up my mind. I will rejoice and be glad in the day that God has placed uh, in front of me. You know, that song, that verse, it's not just talking about Sunday. I will rejoice. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. He's not just talking about Sunday. He's talking about everyday life. Amen? Everyday life is a day that God has made. Everyday life is a gift that God gives us. And so, you know, this, this past week, uh, for five days, this community has mourned. And we've uh, been sad and we've wept and we've cried and we've questioned. And, uh, you know, we've, we've been everywhere from, you know, life stinks to what's the purpose of life to what's, what's next in life. I mean, we just, you know life and living and purpose is just all jumbled up and we ask ourselves a thousand questions during the, uh, a time like this, uh, you know, over the past couple uh, days, this past week. And, uh, but I just felt like this morning, you know, I woke up today with just a, a, a fresh hope. I just woke up today with, like I was talking earlier, this is the first day that we move forward. Amen. We've been wounded and we've been hurt uh, but what I'm here to encourage you with and remind you with today is that life is good. Amen. That's the title of my message this morning. Life is good. It doesn't mean that life is easy, but life is good. In First Chronicles, we sang about this just a little bit in one of our songs. First Chronicles 16, 24 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. His mercy, his love never ends, carries us through the hard times, walks us through the good times, and that alone is, is enough to, to march forward. For God is good. God is good, and God created life so we can conclude that life is good. Would that be a fair assumption? We all know that God is good. Scripture declares that God is good. Creation declares that God is good. When we see how God provides for the world around us, the rain, the sunshine, the food God provides for the world, we can conclude through the world and through creation itself that God is a good God. And we all believe that God created life. Amen? Amen. He breathed into man the breath of life and man became a living soul. God is good. God created life. Therefore, we can rest assured that life is good. Amen? And if any time we need to be reminded of that, it's now as we march forward. Amen? Everything that God created was good. Everything. You know, we've, uh, you know, sometimes we, we kid around when you get a big old tick, you know, and you pick, how I many of you have got to pull a tick off of you and say, I don't know why God had to create these things, right? And we, we don't see a lot of purpose uh, in, in creation a lot of times in some of the things that God created, but everything created has a purpose. The ticks feed the birds, right? And they got to eat something. I mean, the tips, ticks got to eat something, so it's only natural that they would feed on us, I guess, you know. So everything, though, it may not make sense to us, it, it has a purpose, and therefore all of creation, we can conclude, is good. Because God is good, God created life, therefore life is good. 
Me and Kelsey were teasing around the other day. We were teasing around the other day uh, when we ate uh, about a watermelon. And we, we, we were trying to figure out which watermelon to, uh, to buy and to eat. And we concluded, for us personally, the seeded watermelons are the best. They taste the best. But then you have to kind of deal with the seeds, right? I mean, we, you get the seedless ones so you don't have to spit seeds. But to me, the, the seeded watermelons taste the best. And she was kidding around. She said, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God why he had to make the seeded watermelons taste better than the seedless watermelons. Of course, we're just joking around. And, and you know, of course, that is just a very uh, silly thought. Obviously, nobody's going to ask God that. That's just, that's a very small thing. It's silly. Uh, but folks, even the big things, the big questions that we say, I'm going to ask God why Bad things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people. And all these questions that we have, we think, well, I want to understand it when we get there. We will care about as much about that as we will why God made seeded watermelons taste better than seedless. Nothing's going to matter at at that point. Um, And we will conclude then, God is good. He knew what he was doing. And I just think that we can conclude it now. All creation is good. And God looked at it. You know, we we walk through the creation for five days as God creates the, the dry land and he creates the seas, he creates the firmaments and the heavens and the sun and the moon and he creates, he creates the plants and he creates the, the, the animals and every, every step of the way as God created, everything he created, he looked at it and concluded that it was what? It was good. God concluded that it was good, but just good. Because here's the thing, all five of those days were the day the Lord had made. God made the first day, right? It says this, the sun came up, sun went down, and, and that period was the first day. So God made the first day, and it was good. It was the day the Lord had made. The second day was the day the Lord had made, and it was good. Fourth, third day, fourth day, fifth day were all the day that the Lord had made, but there was nobody to rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. So for five days, God looks at his creation and says, it's good. This is the day I have made, and it's good. But on the sixth day, when God created mankind, scooped us up from the dust of the earth and breathed the breath of life in our nostrils, and God created man, and God said, when he looked now at a complete creation with mankind there, God concluded that it was very good. Not only were there days that the Lord hath made, but now there was somebody to rejoice and be glad in it. Amen? There was somebody to enjoy the day, somebody to enjoy the life that God had given them to live. And it was good, and it still is. Amen? Hallelujah. People, mankind has a soul. We were created in the image of God. No other part of creation was created in his image. We were created in the image of God, in the image of our good God. We see a lot of bad in people, don't we? We turn on the news, you can go to the grocery store and just sit and watch a little bit and you'll see some bad in people. But if there's anything we learn during hard times like what we've been through this week and throughout our entire life, if we'll look for it, we'll find that there is still good in people, amen? There's still some good people because we're created in the image of God who is good, We have the capacity to do good, and honestly, it feels better to be good, amen, than it does to be bad. Animals animals can only express a certain amount of love and understanding. I mean, animals weren't created in God's likeness. I mean, animals are good, and it's amazing how smart animals can be, but it's very limited. You know, our little dog, we got a little Shih Tzu, and her name is Maggie, and we love that little thing. She's like part of the family. 
and, and she's pretty smart. You know, if you got a little dog, you, you know how, how much they learn. Um, and, and it's always amazing to us how she does and can express love to a certain degree. You know, we'll be sitting on the, we'll be sitting on the sofa and she'll jump up in, in your lap and run her head right up under your chin and just go like this. I mean, what's she doing? She's, she's expressing love in, in a way that a dog can and she's, she's desiring love and it's always kind of amazing to us. You know, and she, she can learn certain words. I mean, she knows what eat is. If you say you want to eat, she runs to her bowl. If you say you want to go, she runs to the door. Got to go potty, she runs to the door, right? You, you want a bath, she runs to the basement. Right? I mean, you know, she knows what the word bath means and when you say, Maggie, you want a bath? She will, hit, wherever she's at, she hits the floor and she goes and hides. She's pretty smart. And she understands a certain amount. But she doesn't understand jobs. I wish she did. I'd have her go get one. Help her. I'm telling her all the time, you just laid around here all day long and did nothing. You could have been productive in our home. She doesn't understand that there's laundry to be done and, and uh, dishes to be done. She doesn't understand house payments. The dog's never asked one time what the Dow Jones is doing today. She don't understand. She can't comprehend that. Very limited as to what an animal can understand. But we as humans, God gives a greater intellect, right? God gives us an ability to understand more. We have a soul. We were made in the image of God. We have the capacity to enjoy life on a greater length than any animal there is, any plant I think we should take advantage of it. I really do. I think we should appreciate it. I, 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 don't think, I don't think we appreciate it as much until things happen to shake us up a little bit. Um, we just realize how, we take life for granted, don't we? I mean, we I do. We just get in a groove and in a rut. We live life and we just don't realize how good we got it really. And we as humans, for whatever reason, always have a tendency to gravitate towards the negative we, we, we focus on the negative, and I don't know why that is. I, 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 wish, that, I wish that we could reverse that. You, you, can have, you can have nine people tell you how great you are, and one person tell you you're a scum bucket, and you'll focus on that one person that thinks you're a scum bucket. We focus on the negative, and I don't know why that is. God help us to be glad for the nine people that love us. Amen. Financial difficulties, sicknesses, all the problems that we have in life. We focus on them. We don't sweep them under the rug. It's not that we don't deal with them, but we focus, rather than focusing on that, what if we stopped and looked around at the greatness, the great life that God has given us and the blessings that he's, got, that he's given us, amen? I think we should. I think it's, you know, life was intended from the very beginning to be good. We, we've seen that in the creation. God's intention was for our life to be good. We messed that up. He didn't. Everybody, a lot of times, wants to blame God when life doesn't go good. But this wasn't God's plan, was it? God's plan was that life would be good. That's the way he made it. We as humans messed it up. But the good news is God knew we would mess it up, so he decided to fix it. Hallelujah. You guys will mess it up. I made it good. I made life good. You're going to mess all of that up, and you're going to sin, and you're going to bring death and, and pain and sickness on the human race, but I love you too much to leave you in that condition. I still want life to be good for you, and so he sent his son to bleed and to die on the cross of Calvary that we might not be stuck in the bad that we created, amen, but that 
we might be once again wrapped, wrapped up in the goodness of God. Every good and every perfect thing comes down from the Father of lights, amen? And that's now, even in the midst of a very bad world and situations that we live in. God fixed it. Jesus said, well, first of all, if you remember last week, when we was talking about Cornelius, when Peter went to, te- to preach to these Gentiles who did not know God, did not know about Christ at least. They had a general concept of a, of a creator, God, but they didn't know about Jesus. And so Peter goes in and he, he preaches to this family, Cornelius and all of his friends, and he, he says this in Acts 10, 30, he said, he, speaking of Jesus, he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. He declared that Jesus' purpose in coming to earth was to do good. Hallelujah. I, he's done me good. Amen. I, I, of all the things that God has done me, he's done me nothing but good. There's a song that the Isaacs sing, say that. It talks about, there's a reference in there about Polycarp, which was a man way, way back. Polycarp, I think, was a, uh, maybe a disciple of John. John was a disciple of Jesus, and Polycarp was a disciple of John, I believe, Forgive me if I'm wrong, but he's right there in that era. But they, they tied Polycarp to a stake, set it all on fire, trying to get him to recant the Lord Jesus Christ, trying to get him to deny the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, basically, how could I ever deny my Lord? He's burning alive. How could I deny my God when he's not done me anything but good in my life? <laughs> Hallelujah. Life's not always fair, but life's always good because life comes from God, and God created life, and God is good. Amen? He went about doing good and healing everyone who was oppressed by the devil. And that oppression, he didn't say possessed. He healed people who was possessed. To be possessed by the devil is to literally have the devil in you and you know, foam at the mouth and that whole bit. But all of us are oppressed by the devil in some form or fashion. To be oppressed by the devil means to be tempted and uh, to be uh, you know, anguished and to be uh, fearful and have him you know, working on our minds. I mean, that's, we're all oppressed by the devil in some form or fashion. And Jesus came to heal us from that, to do good and to heal us and to deliver us from the oppression of the devil. We don't belong to Satan. Hallelujah. He works against us, yes, but he don't belong to us. We don't belong to him. We are not his property. We belong to God who is good. <laughs> Whew, that gave me a goose bump or two. Jesus came, he said, I came to give you life and to give you life more abundantly. I came to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. Speaking to people who already physically were alive, I mean, we know Jesus gave us life in the very beginning and created us and all that, but I came to give you life and life more abundantly. In other words, to give you a life worth living. I came to give you life, to give you hope, to give you peace, to give you direction. Abundant life, because what that abundant is, is it means not only are we just alive, not only do we just exist, but we enjoy the life that we're living. I believe God wants us to. And we look forward to the, the greatest abundant life, which is the eternal life that Jesus ultimately died to give us. I came that you could have life and enjoy life here, but that one day when this life ends, you'll have it even more abundantly in the presence of God for all eternity. That's what Jesus came to do, to do good unto us. Because that's all God knows to do. 
You understand that this morning? That's God's character. That's who God is. God, goodness is not just a quality of God. God doesn't just act good. God is the epitome of goodness. Amen? God is good. And he gave us life. He wants us to enjoy living on a greater level than all the rest of creation. Remember that old song, count your many blessings, count them one by one. Count your many blessings, look what God has done. I think it's been a long time since I heard that. Count your many blessings, name them one by one. What kind of, what kind of sunshine would spark in our hearts if rather than counting our miseries and our problems and our difficulties and our gripes and our complaints to God about those pesky seeded watermelons. And what if we just stop for a second? Gosh, help us to do this. Do this this week sometime. Stop for a minute. Just try to count your blessings. You know what? You can count all of your problems and, and it may be a big list. But I would bet money that if you started to really count your blessings, naming them one by one, it'd be hard to name them all. They would outweigh the bad because God's good, amen? amen? And he loves us and his intentions. My intention towards you are good. That's what God said in, in Jeremiah, I believe it was. He said, I know my thoughts towards you. You know, God, God say to us, you know, look, I know the world's giving me a bad rap right now. I know the world is blaming me, you know, for the, the earthquakes and the, the wars and the, you know, and the sicknesses and the death. I know that I'm, God's saying, I'm getting a bad rap. The world's giving me a bad rap. But God says, I know how I feel about you. I know what my feelings about you are, and those feelings are good. Hallelujah. Huh? I, 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 my feelings towards you are good, that you might have an expected end, that you might end well. We run the race, we trip, we fall, we get bruises, but we end well when we end with Jesus Christ. Amen? Count your many blessings. We can't choose what life gives us, but we can choose how we view life. Amen? We cannot choose what life gives us, but we can choose how we view life. Yesterday in Jonah's funeral, I talked a lot about perspective. Perspective is everything. Things happen and we don't understand why. And we, When we go to deal with it, our perspective is key. It's very important. If we look from the perspective of a human being with a limited understanding who is capable of bad and capable of evil, then that's a perspective that can not look too good and, and take us to places away from God and take us to places that are worse. But when we try to look at things from God's perspective, that God says, here's, here's the whole picture. I see the whole picture. From my perspective, it's going to be okay. This is going to work out. It's ugly on your side. I gave you the example yesterday about the tapestry. Right, when, when, when you ladies, you, you, you knit, do you knit? A I'm not sure, but you make like an afghan, and on one side, it's a beautiful picture. But on the other side, it's, it's really kind of ugly. You can't, you can't make any sense of it because it's just where all the, the strings have been tied together on the backs. The back side is not really important. It's the front side that is important. It's the front side that's it's beautiful. So God said, ultimately, when it comes to life, you're seeing all of the strings and it doesn't make sense and you kind of get an idea, but it's all jumbled up. And, and God says, God says that part of life, the problems, and your view of life, your perspective as a human being was never the intention. The, the, the whole picture, the part that I see, all creation was created for me, God says. 
And I look at it, and though it's messed up, and though it's got a problem, it's got a stain here and there, I declare that because I am good and I created life, then life is good. You are good. Hey, man, it's all about the perspective. And so we can't choose what life brings us, but we can choose how we view life. That is laid in our court. We can look at life, and we can declare and determine that it's miserable. But... Just because circumstances are miserable doesn't mean that life altogether is miserable. Is that true? Just because our circumstances are miserable doesn't mean that life as a whole is miserable. But if we conclude that life is just miserable, then that's what we'll be. Amen? We let circumstances and hardships and troubles and problems define us and lead us and determine how we're going to view life. We'll be miserable. But I want to encourage you today to know that you don't have to be miserable. Circumstances may be, but you don't have to be miserable. Because God's good, and he's got this, and he carries us through. Our preacher say one time, it's one of my favorite lines I've ever heard him preacher say, he said, don't be the poster child for the book of Lamentations. <laughs> I love that. I love that. <laughs> Misery loves company, they say. My encouragement to you, find some good company. Misery loves company. When we're miserable, we want other people to be miserable with us. Don't let somebody dump their nasty misery all over you. Now, some people are going through legitimate hard times, and they're in a miserable state right now, and they need us. But some people are just miserable. They're miserable just because they're miserable. Some people, I think, want to be miserable. If something good happened in their life, they wouldn't know it. They wouldn't recognize it. They sweep it under the rug. They want to be miserable because they want everybody's pity and get everybody on my pity pot, right? That's kind of rough this morning, isn't it? I'm trying to keep this positive, but it's true. Misery loves company. Find some different company. Good heavens and mighty. There's too much good in, in life. Find some positive influence. It's out there. We can declare that life's just tolerable, Right? Maybe not miserable, maybe not great, but oh, it's just tolerable. I'm just tolerating life, and I don't think that's good enough. Don't stop there. Don't conclude that life is miserable, for sure. But don't stop at life's just tolerable. Poor old Solomon, he's writing Ecclesiastes. You know, when you read Ecclesiastes, it will either cheer you up or it'll depress you, depending on what your perspective is and how you read it. But in Ecclesiastes 12 and 7, it says this. The dust returns to the earth as it was. The spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher. All is vanity. You know what he's saying, ultimately? We live and we die and it's all worthless. It's all meaningless. No matter what we accomplish, no matter what we do, life just, it just doesn't matter. It's just tolerable. I'm just going to tolerate life. I'm just going to bide my time, wait till the day that I die, and go home to be with Jesus. What a, what a cop out. What a horrible attitude. Jesus said, I didn't give you life so that you can just tolerate it. I gave you life and life more abundantly. Amen? That you can enjoy life. It's got to look for it. Here's what I think we ought to do. Not conclude that life is miserable. Not conclude that life is tolerable. But to come to the conclusion that life is full of joy. That life is good. The life is good. We preached here last week or the week before last. 
Peter said, whom having not seen, you love. In whom, though you now, you see him not, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Amen. We conclude, Peter said we conclude. Peter went through it, went through some hard times. Church tradition and history says that Peter was crucified upside down. That's how he was killed. But Peter, despite the fact that situations were miserable, Peter concluded overall that serving God in life was joy unspeakable and full of glory. Hallelujah. It's worth living. It's worth living. Life is learning. Life is living. Life is loving. Life is the Lord's, right? Life is learning. We, we have the capacity, the, the capability to learn on such a higher level, again, than, than any other part of creation. Whatever you know now, whatever I know now, it's not even a drop in the bucket to what can be known, right? We have the capability of learning. Many times we, we, we kind of plateau. We hit, that, we hit that ceiling where we've learned and we think, I've learned all I want to learn. And sometimes that's why we just feel like there's no purpose, no meaning in life because we've just kind of given up on what there is to learn. There's a lot more to learn about God than what you know about God. There's a lot more to learn about life than what you know about life. I mean, this may sound like an oversimplified thought process, but if you want life to have some purpose and some meaning, you want life to be good, get out there and learn something. Let's learn something new. Our, our capacity for knowledge is remarkable. Think about the most expensive computer on the planet with all of the gigabytes and all of the memory and all the capacity for storage, and it's not a drop. Mankind cannot invent a computer that can learn and, and retain as much as the human mind can retain. Let's learn something. We have the opportunity in our life to learn new things. Life will never be boring if we're always learning. Learn something about one another, each other. Learn something about our community, our state, our nation. Learn something about history. Learn something about the future. If you learn something about history, you'll learn something about the future, amen? Life is, life is living. You, and, and, you know, do you realize that you can be alive and not be living? You can be alive physically, heart beating, lungs working, physically, technically you're alive, and, but not be living, not be enjoying, you're just existing, you're just kind of floating through. That's not what God intended. He said, I want you not just to be alive, I want you to live. Fear can cripple us from trying new things, entering into new adventures, meeting new people. All that can just shut us down to the point where we just, Though we're alive, we're not living. But life is about living. It's experiencing life and doing things with one another. Sucking the last drop of goodness you can out of it. Have you ever remember those? I'm sure they probably still have these. I don't know if you used to have them. The, uh, I don't remember what they call them. The, but it's like a, it's like a uh, something pop. A, uh, uh, if you freeze them, it's like Kool-Aid in a little plastic pouch. What is it? Popsicle. Popsicle. I don't know why that was so hard to remember. <laughs> but a popsicle, uh, but a popsicle, you buy these, this big roll of, you know, plastic. <laughs> I don't know. Been a long week. Been a long week. Um, but a popsicle, you, you know, this long plastic, you put the Kool-Aid in and you freeze them. 
I remember as a kid, you know, you tear them apart, you cut the top off, and you squeeze it from the bottom, and it comes up as frozen. You just, you know, you eat that, and eat that popsicle and stuff. But, you know, you don't just, once the ice is gone, you don't just throw the package away. What's, what's left down at the bottom? Oh, it's the best part. It's the juice. It's the part that's melted. It's down there. And, man, when I was a kid, I would... You know, you, you suck on them and, and it, it goes to shut and you suck every, and then I'd roll it up. I got every drop I could get out of that popsicle. Amen. Grocery list, popsicles. <laughs> I, got my, I got myself craving one now. Um, I wanted to get every drop I could out of that thing. And I think it's how we should live life. Life is a popsicle. Suck it dry. I just made that up. I like that. Good quote for Facebook over there, Jennifer. Suck it dry. Get every drop of good you can get out of life. That's what God's intention was. Life is about living. Life is loving. True life is about loving. It's about loving our spouse, the one that God has given. What a pleasure. Look, I know that man. I know that woman gets on your ever-loving nerves at times. I know at times you... Think about suffocating them in their sleep, maybe. But think about how blessed you are to have somebody that loves you enough to spend their entire life with you. We only get one life. We only get one life, man. She chose you to live her one life with. What a blessing. We just don't think about it that way sometimes. But life is about loving, loving one another. In fact, Scripture says, he that findeth a wife findeth a good thing. You get annoyed at her, or ladies, when he gets annoyed at you, throw that verse in his face. He that findeth a wife findeth a good thing. It's good to be married. It's good to have a spouse, somebody that you can love, and somebody that can love you and take care of you when you're weak. Marriage is so great. It's a tremendous blessing. Our society is ripping it apart. Watch any sitcom, any modern sitcom today, and they make marriage seem like a battle zone, make it seem like something you want to avoid, make marriage seem like a plague or a curse. It's not. It's great. Marriage is good. God invented marriage. God is good, so marriage is good. Enjoy it. Enjoy that spouse. Children are good. They're a heritage of the Lord, the Bible says. They are our inheritance. Children are good. They add such, a, such an um, added amount of blessing to our life that we didn't know. You guys that have kids, do you remember what it was like before you had kids? I mean, we must have been the most boring, dull people on the planet. I don't remember what we did. I mean, it's like, did we sit at home and stare at each other? I mean, what did we do before we had kids? And kids just added so much joy. I mean, we watched these kids. Man, they come up here and stood and sang that Hebrew song or whatever, you know, and this, the songs that we didn't, under, we didn't understand a word they said in that first song because they were singing in, what she say, Nigerian? We didn't understand a word they said, but I look out across this congregation and I see nothing but smiles, nothing but joy. We didn't have to know what they were saying. We saw in our children smiles and joy and the innocence the purity of a child, and it's just, it makes us crave that. Kids are good. We should look and see our children around us, and though they get on our nerves at times, what a blessing. What a blessing that they are. Our neighbors in a town and a community like we have today, not just Willow, but Kabul and <clears throat> uh, 
West Plains, Pomona, wherever you, you live, Mountain View, different ones. I mean, this, this community that we have to share with. And, and Jesus, if there's one thing he compelled us to do, it was to love our neighbors. Amen? Life is about loving. Sure, our spouse, our children, our parents, those who we know, but it's about loving our neighbors. People that we come across every day. Jesus gave the whole parable of the, of the, uh, uh, the Good Samaritan, right? There's guy been beat up and he's bleeding. He's at the point of death and he's laying there and he needs attention. He needs human help. And people pass by him, his own countrymen, people that were supposed to be, what you would think would be there for him, all pass by, leave him there, no concern. But a Samaritan, a guy who, for the most part, wouldn't probably get along with him very well, but he's moved with compassion in his heart and he stops and he helps the guy. He reaches out to him. And Jesus asked the question, which one is, was truly the guy's neighbor? And, and the people who opposed Jesus could not deny. It's the one who helped him. It's the one who stopped. It's the one who extended a helping hand that showed love to his neighbor. Your neighbor is not the person who lives next, in the house next door to you. That, that's not your neighbor. Every human being on the face of the planet is our neighbor. Amen? It's the human race is our neighbor. Life is about loving them. It's about doing good for them. Rising to the occasion, and I want to say this, by the way, on that note. I know Matt was going to say this in the announcements, but let me just say it now. I am so proud of this church. So very proud of this church. I couldn't be prouder. The way that you all rose up to put on a meal for the Smith family yesterday, the way that you did. That was a spread. No king on the planet will eat that good. You guys are always faithful to jump up. When there's a need, somebody has a burnout or somebody has a problem. I can call a work day. I can call for, and I know, I know. If I'm talking to the other pastors in town and they got something they want to come up or if there's a tragedy that happens or something, I know that I can commit this church to helping. I don't have to come back here and hold an elders meeting to find out if it's okay. I don't have to jump up here and see if I can scrape together a person or two that might be willing to give a little bit of time. I can commit this church to anything because I know I'm confident we are gonna have people to step up ready to love on our neighbors. And I commend you for that. It's the love of Jesus in you that compels you to do that. Life is about loving our enemies. Could have left that one out. But it is. That's one of the teachings of Jesus, to love not just those who love us that can return the favor, but love our enemies, those that we can't stand. He said, love your enemies and do good unto them. Wow, I can't do it. Yes, you can. You know why? Because you belong to God. Because you were created in the image of God, and God is good. And God loves his enemies. Therefore, we can be good enough to do good and love our enemies. We can do it with God's help to love God, obviously. It goes without saying, Jesus said the greatest, most important commandment there is, to love the Lord thy God with all of your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength, with everything you are, to love God. Life comes from God, so it only makes sense that life would be about loving God. Amen? Live the life that God gave you for him. I'm done. I'll go get us a popsicle. 
I known I was going to preach about that, I'd have bought them by bulk and had a whole pile of them out there ready to hand one off to you when we got done here. Um, I was thinking about the, one of the things we read about in the Bible, you know, through the life of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus is, uh, we call it the transfiguration. And it's, it's kind of confusing, you know, when you read through it. It's not something that we fully and completely understand. It leaves us a little bit confused, and I don't understand all the theology behind it. But in, in, in essence, here's what happened. Jesus takes a few of his closest disciples up on the mountain, and the Bible says that Moses and Elijah came to visit and to speak with Jesus. And the Bible says that Jesus was transfigured. He, was, he shone. He, he, he just glowed. He was bright. He took on a different form. And... and uh, and the thing about all of that is the Bible says that Peter, the, the scripture records that Peter said, they were, they were freaked out. I mean, they were scared. They were like, this is, not, this is something they'd never seen before in their entire life. And there's, there's Moses, there's Elijah, and there's Jesus, and they're all conversing. And so they're like freaked out, but at the same time, they're like, this is cool. And so Peter, he comes up to Jesus and he says this, Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. <laughs> It is good that we are here. It is good that we are experiencing you. We're on a whole different level. It's good that we basically, what he's saying is we're getting a taste now in this life. We're getting a taste of what the glory of God will be one day in eternity. It's good, he said, for us to be here. I'm scared to death, but it's good for me to be here. And I believe that as we go through life and we conclude that God is good, therefore life is, God is the creator of life, therefore life is good, is that we don't understand everything about life and we don't understand, but, but God will give us a taste of his glory every now and again when we're looking for it. You know, what my, you know what really makes life good is when you see God at work in your life. God's given you, if you, if you pray and you seek God about something and it works out in just a miraculous way, it's a taste of God's glory. I mean, you're just getting a glimpse of what, what lies ahead for all eternity for God's people. We conclude, hey, that's good. God is good. God created life. Therefore, life is good. Stand with me today, would you? I'm going to ask you a simple question this morning. We're going to just rejoice and praise God here tonight or today at the end of the service. But who wants to be saved? Who needs to be saved? Anybody this morning in this place that's not saved. Jesus, you don't know Jesus as your personal savior, but today you want to. God's dealing with your heart. Come on up. Just come right now. They're gonna have a song here in just a minute. But I wanna give you opportunity. First and foremost, you, I don't care how, life, how, how good you think life is right now. You may have plenty of money, lots of friends, and you say, well, life's good. What do I need Jesus for? You don't even know the the definition, you don't need the meaning of the word good until Jesus comes into your life.